Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like myself are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I'll be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by my good friend Lee Bakewell. Lee is the current technical director of TSF Academy in Wayne, New Jersey. He is also the recipient of a USSF A license and United Soccer Coaches Premier Diploma. I first met Lee back in 2004 when we both coached for MLS camps in Southern California and we've kept in contact ever since. Today we talk about Lee's career from summer camps coach to technical director, as well as his dedication to keeping his A license current. Hi Lee, thanks for joining me tonight. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks Paul. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So first, if you could give us an introduction of how you got involved in coaching. Yeah, um, so obviously I played the game from a from a young age um, and then obviously I went to university uh, played in university and and got into got into a coaching actually before before I played in in, in university at uh, just the local professional teams um, community programs um, so just some Saturday morning coaching um, and then just getting involved you know in the game and doing a couple of my English FA licenses um, and then when I went to university basically I ended up at the end of my three-year degree just wanting to do something different um it was never my plan to get into coaching but I um ultimately wanted to to travel and an opportunity came just to to travel and and coach coach football coach soccer um in in the states and and it basically started from there so um, so when when you were at university that's when you did your FAA coaching badges so i did my uh fa level one and two with the english fa when i when i was um in this before i went to university um and then i was doing my ua for b um which i I didn't complete and because i came to america i did that while i was in university um and then yeah then i then i didn't really do much coaching during my time at university just just played and then um, I kind of took took off you know my, my coaching career after that so when you joined MLS camps and came to the US to coach what what was your decision with going with MLS camps um I I basically the some of my teammates at the university level they, they'd uh, told me about it um, and again I was I was looking to travel more than actually getting into any kind of career um, but obviously I, I love the game and uh, you know played it since a young age and just you know kind of tied both together so I went I did the interview process it was pretty straightforward and got offered a you know a role that summer and um, I had no reason not to not to give it a go for the first I was that came over for six months and then enjoyed it so much and just kept coming back the next couple of years um, until it kind of became something that I you know wanted to, to pursue as a career so so when you if you can go back to those first summer camps and probably that first fall season were what were the kind of kids that you were working with um, I mean my, my very first camp I did um, with, with, with MLS was basically three and four year olds in in arizona um so i think there was a you know maybe a group of 14 to 16 three and four year olds that i that i had um i was basically in a in a coaching pool with with a more um i wouldn't say more experienced coach but someone had been with the company since the spring and i joined kind of early summer so he took the older kids i got left with the younger ones um and then pretty much it stayed that way for that first summer where I was with the younger groups, um, you know, and traveled uh, California, Arizona, Nevada, North California. Um, in that first, first summer I was here. Um, but, you know, pretty much recreational level, um, 
you know, and this was back in 2004, so the game was still relatively new with, with the MLS back then. So a lot of the kids then were, you know, they didn't get the Premier League games on TV. You know, it was a very different environment to what, what we're in right now. Um, but, you know, pretty much lower level kids, maybe not exposed to the game as much. Um, and I, I coached a lot, of, a lot of the younger ones in my first summer. Um, and then the fall season, when I when I got my um, development program in, in Claremont, um, in, in California, um, I then got to work predominantly with U10 through U14s, with a couple of U16, U19 teams in there with the, the, the AYSL programs there. Yeah, from uh, I remember you. Um, were you a little? Was it a little further north or a little further east than the majority of the coaches in that area? Yeah, so I was in Claremont, which is uh, probably about on a good day in, in LA. Traffic was about maybe thirty-five, forty minutes east of LA. Um, but again, on a bad day, it could probably take you a, a good uh, a good hour and a half to get to get anywhere um, if you catch the traffic at the wrong time. But but yeah, going going east towards uh, towards Arizona and in, in, into the foothills. So, but that's um, sure it's such a good experience, especially the the warm weather and having opportunity to work with, you know, under tens up to under fourteens. But it must have been a um, real culture shock, especially you you know summer in Arizona coaching three and four year olds. Do you feel like you? Um, you receive good training to be able to deal with those kids at, at such a, a young age and an early start to your coaching career? Um, I wouldn't say I got official training from from anyone for it. I mean, you get given a you know a box of a, a box of tricks with, with a, a folder of, of games and sessions. So I think for the most part, you um, you know you take. You, you take those session plans that they give you and then you, you just add your personality to it. So um, I won't say my personality was um, suited necessarily to three and four-year-olds, but you, you find a way to make it work. You know, it's uh, three hours a day with, with a ball at your feet, uh, you know, and, and you know, just, just kind of trying to trying to have a, have a good time and an experience with it. And I was only fresh out of university then, so 20... So twenty one, twenty two. So you know, I, I was I was here for the experience. So I wasn't really at that point. I wasn't really concentrating and, and thinking I was going to go into coaching full time. You know, because it wasn't my intention when I went to university to, to be involved in in soccer per se. Um, I was never quite good enough as a player, and it, it never really crossed my mind to be to become a coach. Um, so it was really those first experiences where. You know, I just I just tried to, to enjoy the experience, um, and you know, from a from a coaching perspective, it was more trial and error, figuring out what worked, what didn't. You know, taking the games out of the the curriculum they give you that 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 you felt worked for you, and then kind of adding your own little twist to it. So, and I, and I think that's that stayed with me for the majority of my coaching career is is just being able to adjust things to suit my personality and my um, style as a coach. So. One thing that I really liked from my time with MLS camps was the training that we received prior to coming to the U.S. I, I had to um, I had to go to a grammar school in in Sale, so like South Manchester, for like a training day, and was actually mailed a one of a session plan, which you were. It was like a five ten minute game that you were expected to then you know study and then coach within that group and then receive like peer feedback and i love the um although it was a long weekend i really enjoyed that we went to morton in the marsh the fire training college and the lectures and the field sessions that we received there i felt they did an excellent job in preparing us or preparing myself to to come to the u.s and coach did you um have a similar experience yeah, I, I I only had the one recruitment event, which was the one at Morton in the Marsh, um, and you know I, I do remember running running the session. Um, I don't remember it too much about the actual 
you know, lectures or, or I don't remember too much of that personally. Um, but, you know, I, again, I, I don't think I went into the, the whole, I think I went into the experience looking to run a good, good session based on what they gave us. But um, I, I guess, like you said, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Um, it's a very different culture to what you're used to. Like I was working then with um, the Warsaw Football Club community programs where you've got kids that, you know, play the game regularly. So I, I, I don't remember too much of the, uh, of the orientation meeting. I remember being there. I remember there being a lot of, a lot of people. Um, you know, I think they, they used to take over like, I don't know, 400, 450 staff, right? Because they had camps in every, every state. Um, so I remember a lot of people being there. I remember running the session. I just don't remember too much of the um, the orientation per se, um, but I, I don't think I went into that kind of meeting like expecting anything. You know what I mean? It was more right. run a session, get get the opportunity to go over and, and have an experience. I, you know, at that phase, I, I wasn't uh, my my head wasn't really around coaching. It was more about you know going for a for an experience and a challenge and then the coaching has kind of developed since since then i mean it gave me the um the initial jolt to realize that it's something that i'm i'm passionate about and and wanting to get involved in at uh you know at a, at a higher level as i as i progressed um and and learn more about it um so it was it was definitely the starting point um but uh yeah i, I couldn't tell you any specifics about the the lectures or the, the orientation meetings we had or you know i remember the big the big curriculum binder that they give you which i think i still have to this day um and and i remember running the session um i think with with matt brown who was the recruitment officer at the time and and getting feedback on that so that was probably the first time outside of my coaching licenses that um you know i'd ever really got any kind of positive feedback on on the session that i ran um so I one thing um, I do remember is so again I had worked I had I had ended the the fall season in Southern California and that's where we met and I'm going to say it was the following year 2005 definitely remember we reconnected at a MLS training event it was an optional thing but it was offered at Lillishall yeah and. You I lost just the coat, I ah yeah yeah uh, the, there's certain things that uh, yeah there's certain things that sometimes I won't let drop but there um but I do remember I thought I got to go to this just the opportunity to uh to train and and, and practice at at Lillishall in England was just had had to do it and I um although from from memory. The training session we received was um, was part cross country around the around the grounds, um, and very similar. I just remember the session I was involved in was a defending session, basically like in a six v six format. But it was with a professional coach, just um, who I do remember a former coach. He does um, he had actually just finished managing lincoln city in the football league and i do remember those sessions and i i um even though i i knew that i maybe wasn't going to have a further my career or my coaching pathway with mls camps just that kind of um that exposure to to one that kind of environment and the um the coaching instructors that they were able to put on offer there um because Dave Newbury, if you remember Dave Newbury, he's yeah. um, he's obviously now heavily involved with the uh, United Soccer coaches. Um, so being exposed to the to those types of coaches um, and and getting that that was always I found that very rewarding. So from so then this takes us um, to two thousand and five. You did another season with MLS. Yeah, so as we. I was with MLS from 2004 to 2006, so I was with them for three, three years, um, and and it ended my my time with them at the end of the fall season 2006. And what was your 
reason for wanting to come to the East Coast? Um, I mean, I I got to a point with, with MLS where I, I kind of wanted to um, I wanted to further my my coaching career. Um, you know, I I, I enjoyed my uh, my time with um, with the kids and the programs, but I mean, it was the, the three years I was there. I was I was always in family housing, so always kind of living out of my suitcase and moving you know around not quite so much at the end I, I had some host families that you stay with a little bit longer than normal so it was kind of getting to a point where I, I wanted to take the next step um, not just be in that environment um, but for, for the next year um, and then I you know I, AYSO was, was definitely beneficial to me as a, as a coach um, you know I developed my confidence and developed my uh, my desire to, to want to pursue, you know, coaching at a, at a higher level. Um, and I, I just didn't feel I was getting um, the, the opportunities to progress the following year. So I had a conversation with my manager at the time and, and uh, just kind of agreed that I, I wouldn't really have a, um, a long-term visa sponsored for me at that point. Um, so I, I kind of went back to England, just not really knowing what my next step was. Um, I actually did consider going to travel to, uh, to Australia with a, with a former friend of mine from university, but um, I actually came across the, the job with the club that I've, I've been at now for 13 years. Um, I applied for it on uh, the week, you know, one on, I think it was on a, on a Tuesday. Um, I got a phone call on a Thursday um, telling me that they were actually in Manchester that weekend to, to, to run interviews for the summer. Um, so they invited me to the interview. I went to the interview. Um, I ended up being offered the, the job um, again, just a, just a coaching role. Um, and um, basically, I, I accepted that, and then that that started in June of 2007. So um, you know, and then that was obviously on the East Coast in New Jersey. Um, and I've I've been with that club ever since. So so that was with the Sports Factory. That was with the Sports Factory and TSF Academy, yeah. So, um, two different, well, the same company, but two slightly different entities. So, when you went back to England, there was there was never a, a desire to try and continue coaching or join the workforce in England? Um, I'd done some coaching back home, but I um, I think it was more more the lifestyle that I'd, I'd enjoyed in, in the US than I... Than I felt I was I was going to enjoy in the UK yeah you say you know when you spend three years in California and you you know for you know I'd say you know I've been there for three years you know on nine ten month and you know seasonal visas and you have that you know the blue skies the sunshine the you know the opportunities to go you know to Manhattan Beach or Santa Monica and and those kind of places and you know I did ended up I did camps in Vegas and traveled a lot you know it kind of opened my eyes to wanting to pursue something outside of um you know what i grew up with in in, in warsaw and uh you know i i never felt that i wanted to stay um in england long term so i was i was always looking for the next possible opportunity to kind of either travel or do something outside of the uk so you joined the sports factory in tssf in the spring uh, June, June 2007. All right. So at least you're at your experience there, at least then the weather was, was nice. You must've noticed a, a big difference in the type of child that you were now coaching. What kind of differences were there from coaching on the East coast to the West coast? Um, I mean, I'll be honest. It's, um, the levels are somewhat different. So the, the level of player that I've been dealing with on, on the East coast was, probably not comparable to what I was working with on the West Coast. So on the West Coast, I was always working with, say, the recreational um, or AYSO, you know, everyone plays kind of mentality where you had you had good players, but for the most part, it wasn't the, the club environment that I was exposed to on the East Coast. So I was kind of dealing with a slightly different mentality of player. Um, from that, from a from a level perspective, um, the other thing is obviously New Jersey, um, and I'll, I'll I'll try and choose my words carefully, but New Jersey is a very um, 
you know, intense environment and, and fast-paced environment, you know, where patience isn't maybe necessarily a, a key word, but, you know, you, you just have a different, it's just a different mentality, a different environment, um, as I'm sure you experience on, on Long Island and in New York, you know, it's a, it, it's a very demanding environment, um, you know, and, and you, you have to kind of think on your feet pretty quickly sometimes. Um, but sometimes the, that's the, um, does make you a, a better coach. I, like you said, I had uh, somewhat a similar thing. I had coached in New Jersey as well in um, 2005. And obviously I've been coaching on, on Long Island um, ever since. And when you're in California, I felt like, uh, and again, I had only been exposed to, um, I thought they were great players, really good players, really nice people. But I thought I was coaching the cream of the crop in California. I, you're young, you're naive, you're not really... Um, things weren't as readily available on the internet. Yeah. And I was I was coaching um, probably a similar standard to you. And so when you came to, to the East Coast in more that club environment and, you know, you're in this... Um, you come from California thinking you're some kind of movie star because um, you've been able to wear shorts for nine months of the year, and uh, and then yeah, um, it gets hit. You you get hit hard, um, but it, it's um, it's always a a good thing as a coach to expose yourself to those different cultures um, and inevitably make yourself you know a stronger person and a better coach. So as um, as you progressed. Your your coaching career on the East Coast. You now decided that that, that coaching is is what you wanted to do full time. When did you start your USSF pathway? Um, so I believe I was that two. It must have been around two thousand and eight, two thousand nine that I I kind of did the USSFC, um, and then I. At the time, I, I was always kind of piggybacking off the, the NSCAA diplomas. So I always kind of did, I think I did the NSCAA um, national first, and I did the USSFC, and then I did the advanced national, and then the B, and then I did the, the premier diploma, and then I did the old A license. I believe I took that in 2014, 2015, I think, maybe five five years ago. Um, so it, it took me about six years, I think, to do the six, um, six courses that, that I did at the time, very different, um, time frame and process to now. So that basically probably involved, um, traveling to Florida or another warm climate state in the off season to. Yeah, I did. Um, so I did my, my sea license in Pennsylvania, um, and then I did my national and advanced national with the NSCAA in Massachusetts. So not necessarily the warmer states, but I think at the time of year I did them, it was it was summer or summer or spring. Um, and then the B and the A license I did down in Florida. And then I did the the premier diploma with the NSCAA over in Portland. And I actually got to watch the uh, the MLS All Star game against uh, Bayern Munich uh, when I did my premier diploma as a part of the course for the game analysis and such so um and you just but, chose to do the the those uh diplomas and licenses in those in those locations just based on availability uh no not necessarily i i tried to do the the first ones as local as i possibly could um i think at the time there wasn't an awful lot being held in new jersey new york so you had to always travel a little bit um and then florida was always the you know, they didn't have the Kansas City location or, or the other locations set up when I was looking at my B and my A. I think you had either a West Coast or East Coast option. So I always just thought, you know, the, the East Coast was the better location for me to network with other coaches, you know, because that's generally where everybody would go. Um, but then when I got to do my premier diploma, I, I wanted a different experience, which is, you know, I, you know they, hold, they hold them, you know, variety of different locations and Portland just struck me as 
uh, a place you know I'd, I'd never been to and, and wanted to try and you know get out of my uh, my comfort zone and similar to the the AU license that I'm currently doing right now you know I could have chose to do that in Florida but I I, I wanted to do the one in, in Casa Grande in Arizona just to you know, meet different people and, and have a different different experience than what I had in the past. You know, I think that's an important aspect of of of, um, of developing and growing is, is is kind of just pushing yourself out, out of your comfort zone to a degree and um, doing something different and, and trying something new. So it's it's always been something I've, I've tried that's to a do good that's a good point you make because I had um I had done my advanced national and C license and goalkeeper NCAA goalkeeping diplomas locally and I then went to Chicago to do premier diploma the first time I'd actually flown gone out of state or out of the tri-state to um to take that to do you know some continuing education and you're right. I recommend that to to any coach. Might not necessarily be possible to do it for every coaching course, uh, but if if you have the opportunity at, at least once to go out of state, and you, the people that you meet. Um, when I went to Chicago um, earlier on this year, my podcast I interviewed coach that became friends with from Texas. Interviewed another another man from Kansas City. Um, tomorrow I'm speaking to a to a girl that's from northern california and you know the these are some of the great things that you can benefit from these courses not just the the knowledge that you gain but the um the people you meet so when you're um so really in in quite a relatively short period of time you've gone through the the ncaa now united soccer coaches pathway and the ussf pathway was your your current did they support you through that journey? Yeah, they, they did. Um, not not you know 100%, but they they gave me the opportunity to um, you know to go go on the courses, and they, they gave me you know some some financial support um, you know to to get through them. So um, I, I definitely had you know support from the club. Well, that that's good to know. Sometimes obviously it, it, it's great if uh, if an organisation or an employer can can financially support but sometimes just giving you that time off i just yeah, know the, for... the time and the time and the money these days is is extremely extremely challenging you know like obviously the the, the current um structure you know where you have to travel three times um you know i think i'm not sure i i haven't done the new b license or c licenses but from the people within our club that do them you know you have to you know make uh, i think for the b three three trips you know on a you know, and and not not necessarily close by, so you got you know the cost of the course is is increased because of the time and then the the, uh, the added time off that you need from from your from your role, whether that's a full time job in coaching or elsewhere, and then obviously the cost of the flights and such like that as well. So it it's you know if you don't have a a good support network, it it, it does make it um, a challenge to to go through that that pathway these days. So it's and I think it now would take. Um, a lot longer for me to go through that complete pathway um, if I went through the current system, um, you know. So um, it's it's kind of where I'm going back into into the the USSF courses now with with the A youth and make sure that I you know keep updated with uh, stuff that's going on in the federation and and try and help me as a you know as a coach and a, and a director of a program right now. So that that's one thing that I also wanted wanted to to talk to you about um but i want to come to that that later so i know now that um with us being a coaching friends from the the west coast briefly reconnecting um in the midlands um in lillishall on that coaching well, or coaching day weekend from memory and then we've been able to reconnect now that you've been in New Jersey. I've been here in New York, Long Island, um, mainly really through our mutual friend, Matt Ladson. Um, we've been able to uh, yeah, to meet in New York City on, on several occasions. But one thing I, I wanted to uh, 
talk about because um, I, I remember again meeting you at a um, college showcase tournament here in uh, Massapequa, Long Island, meaning that you really got to work with some some really good, strong, high-level teams. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you have done or what you currently do with uh, TSF and the Sports Factory? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously when I first came, I, I came, you know, purely as a, as a coach. Um, so I was, I was working with, um, you know, local local town teams. So, um, you know, similar level to what I was working with, with MLS camps, um, you know, kids, some kids that, that were, were good, some kids that, that weren't, you know, a huge disparity between, you know, top and bottom of the rosters. Um, so I, I, I started there and, you know, we as a club at that time, when I first joined, we, we didn't have year round club teams until they were U15 and older. So, our teams at U14 down, they were kind of like select teams where they paid for other clubs and then they came to us maybe once or twice a week um, and then we played in some summer tournaments with them. We didn't really have them year-round. So that was kind of the case for my first two or three years. So I was doing a lot of camps, um, coaches' clinics, uh, recreational clinics, town teams, travel, but also trying to help build... TSF Academy, you know, we had a pretty close-knit group of coaches at the time. You know, there was maybe just a staff of like 10 to 12 of us, and we, we, we pretty much always kind of got on the same page with each other as to what we wanted to build. Um, and, you know, over the, over the years, as the landscape has changed, the, the club dynamics have changed a lot. Um, so we've gone from, obviously, having club teams year-round from U15 up to now, having teams from U8 all the way through to, you know, U19s. Um, and apart from one year, we've, you know, I had a U23 uh, team on the, on the men's side as well and, and the girls. Um, but basically my, you know, I've gone from being, you know, a coach to uh, being an academy director, was that three, four years ago? And then uh, last January, I, I took the role of director of coaching, um, so it, you know, it's I've kind of gone through the whole process over a 13-year, 13-year window with the club. Um, in regards to the players and the the, the teams, uh, honestly, we've we've really just kind of tried to, tried to stay true to the values that were installed in those, you know, first few years that I was here. When you know, we didn't really know what what the future. You know, I, I don't think anyone could have predicted like the explosion of, of the amount of teams or the competition or, you know, the, the, the politics at play in, in youth soccer. It's, uh, you know, when I first came, there was maybe only four or five clubs that, you know, you would you know, really look at and you had your town teams. But now, you know, you just look at a, at a, at a local league structure and you have, you know, maybe 25, 30 flights and, you know, a million different kind of teams now. And so, you know, you know, players and parents, they have multiple choices now to go wherever they want to go. So, um, you know, we, we just try and stay true to what we believe are our main philosophies and ideas on developing players. Um, we try and do the best we can with the resources we have. You know, we're not a, we're not a big club in the scheme of things. We're, we're a small club, but um, we, we try and maximize our resources. We, we try and be honest. We try and do what we do, uh, build a technical foundation in players, um, try and help them develop a, you know, a, a passion, not just for the game, but a kind of a passion for the club, you know, and, and, and feel unified with the club. I think that's, that's always something we strive for at the club is to build an identity. You know, what does it mean to be a TSF player? Um, and try and build some pride and, and passion in, in players wanting to stay with us, you know, because they, they do have, you know, multiple options and there's some very good clubs, some very good coaches out there. Um, but we want them to buy into, you know, what the, the patch on our jerseys represents and, and, and hopefully we, um, you know, we do a, a good enough job of that where we can also develop some good, good soccer players out of that as well. So, um, and, and we do get, you know, obviously we, we do get some good players and we help put them in an environment. But, um, you know, there's, there's been a lot of good people that we've had at the club that, that are now in, you know, a, a variety of other clubs around the area. Um, you know, and they've, they've all helped build, you know, the TSF 
brand and, and reputation and you know all, all we're trying to do now is trying to build on that and, and and keep it moving forward so that's good points that you make you're right it's so you know the youth soccer um environment especially here in new york new jersey the tri-state area is very competitive and it's right you've got to um it's, it's really good to see that you're you know you've and I'm sure the the parents and the players that you work with will realise this. You you've put a lot of effort into your um, into your education, into wanting to make these players better. Not there aren't many people that can say they've worked for the same club for 13 years and progressed up up the ladder. One thing I also um, know that probably um, I always like to talk about with my uh, with my guests on the podcast is the amount of hard work and sacrifice that sometimes it takes to get to get to that the level and, and this type of job that you have now because i can remember those stories of you telling me um you know maybe i've called you and you've like said paul not today i've i've been banging snow off a bubble for <laughs> x amount of hours or i've had i've got a you know the house that my coaches live in has got a leak in the basement and i'm in charge of uh you know, of, of fixing that or organizing stuff like that. Like a lot of off the field stuff that people might think, well, I'm not listening to a soccer podcast to talk about plumbing issues, but there are, there are big things that, um, and I wanted people, or I wanted the listeners to know that, um, you know, the amount of hard work and, and dedication and late nights it takes to become um, a DOC of such a, um, a strong club yeah no like it's not a uh you know obviously you know you, you gotta talk about the the soccer side right for for that but i mean from my perspective my uh role within the company you know it's it's taken a lot of different directions and some of that's by um some of that's by coincidence i guess or some of that's just by the position that i, I found myself in at any given time but um it, it, like i said when i first came to the club I mean, it's a very different environment now but when i first came to the club we had um probably a, a, a group of 10 to 12 coaches that really did um embrace you know what was ahead of them so you know we we did what we what we felt we needed to do to help help the club um, and I think that was key in the, the foundation of of why you know why I stay pretty pretty connected to the club and and you know it, why I've been here for so long is you you wanna you wanna build something um, and and all those things you talk about like the you know the days where it's you know where I've had, I've been pelted by ice when you you're trying to keep the bubble from collapsing under a snowstorm you know we've had the two years ago our indoor facility came down for the first time after you know about 10 years it never come down because we'd always try to obviously help out keep it up so there's 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 little things there that aren't, aren't really relating necessarily to to my career path as you know to where i've come to but it, it's all part of the um the the relationship you build with 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 the club that you're trying to build you know what i mean and 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 what you invest into it and and, and you hope that, you know, people recognize that later down the line. And, uh, you know, I, I coached a, um, a girls team for, for about eight years when I first came to TSF. So I took them from U11 through to, you know, when they graduated to college. And, you know, I think the, the more rewarding stories are the ones where, you know, those players, you know, while you're working with them when they're 16, 17, they, they give you... Uh, a lot of grief and a lot of, you know, restless nights because you're trying to figure out how to get the best out of them. And, um, you know, when and then when they graduate and go to college and you, and you, you, you know, that you're still in contact with those players and, and you can see them grow, you know, those those kind of things make all that, you know, all those all those little things that you do, the, the shoveling of the, the facility to keep it open or, you know, making sure that, you know the coaches that are working with you. You know have whatever they need in the in the staff housing that we had at the time. You know that all those things have just played a part in in developing the culture of of the club um, from the past. I mean, it, it, but it's it's changed a lot now. You know, it's a very different environment than what it is. But you know, I 
know, all those things that I've uh, I've done have really uh, just integrated me into the club to a point where you know it's it, it you know it's not my club, but it is my club. You know, I've I've seen it come from you know maybe five teams to you know thirty odd teams, and you know we started with a staff of when I first came of maybe six or seven, and we did get to a point where we had about forty five full-time staff members you know from march to november um you know but that's that's changed as well so um yeah there's there's a lot of investment in time and, and energy and like i say sacrifice and um you know per- personally you know when you spend time away from your, your family and stuff like that as well it's uh you know it, it does get it does get tough at times so it's, but it's it's what I what I love to do, so it, you know it's, it kind of makes it worth it when you have some kind of uh, outcome at the end of it. One thing that I liked you mentioned there about it being your club is because um, one thing I also wanted to talk about, and it's one thing that I always enjoy when I from our conversations is talking about our um, our favourite clubs, and um, well, we really want to talk about how much that's changed. We want you know being a big Wolverhampton. Wanderers, a uh, Wolves fan, that you know, especially the way that they've been playing uh, the past two seasons in the Premier League. Has, I've, uh, if you could talk a little bit about um, the link that you tried to create with your club with with Wolves. Yeah. So, um, what was it? Three. Two and a half years ago, three years ago, I, I, I got approached by a company here in the US that kind of set up these relationships with the um, you know professional clubs um, all, all over the world. Um, I, I've always been very wary of, of those kind of um, organizations because you never know how authentic that they are. Um, so the, the opportunity came for me to... To, to kind of set up a, a camp through through Wolves Academy coaches um, through the third party organisation, and we um, basically had a few conversations back and forth to make sure that this was going to be an authentic experience. And what I mean by authentic is I wanted it to be a, a you know obviously the genuine Academy coaches from the club uh, come over and run the camp, not not just for it to be you know a Wolves T-shirt placed on the kids and then. You know, a uh, a coach from this third party company come out and run the camps. You know that that wouldn't work for me. So um, we ran it the first year, and we had um, two of the Wolves coaches come over, Mark McLaren, um, who I believe is still involved in the academy now, um, and uh, a, a guy called Dan Tippier, and he was working. Um, he'd worked at uh, I think Birmingham previously, and then moved to Wolves. So they were both in the academy system um, as coaches. You know, when they came over and run the camp. Um, the first year, I think we had about 60, 62 kids on the camp uh, combined between all the different age groups. And we ran, you know, two, two separate time slots for the, for the kids. Uh, well, that's a, a, an, an excellent an excellent thing that then you're able to do because, um, you know, as the other, you know, plenty of coaches that I've spoke to, you want to try and, and really show these kids that we work with a little bit of our home culture um, and without reminiscing on the good old days, but least, but you know, giving giving your your players those access to those um, or those high level, I guess, potentially Premier League academy coaches. Um, yeah, and I think I think the key the key thing to anything like this, and we've I mean we've um, we've took teams to to Madrid, to, to Rome, to um, South America. I mean, I, I personally haven't had the luxury of going to South America, but our former director of coaching um, has took teams all over the place. And I think what what always gets re-emphasized with, with the kids is that the, the things that they do with um, with these guys, like the sessions that Wolves were running, is the actual session structures themselves, they're nothing different than what these guys do on a, on a day-to-day basis within their clubs. You know, And I'm not just talking about TSF, I'm talking about the majority of, of, of good, good coaches, good clubs. You know, Everybody knows how to, how to run the session and, and put the session on. So um, 
part part of why I wanted to do this is to give them a different voice, you know, a different experience, but to let them see that look, you you're doing things that the professional clubs work on day in day out, you know, with their academy kids. So what what's going to separate you from those kids? Why do those kids make it if they have the same same sessions that they run or the same access or the same, you know, obviously there's different resources involved with it, but you know, it, it, a lot of it comes down to what the kids are willing to put into it, um, you know, and are they willing to just work in their comfort zone or when something comes up, are they then willing to take accountability for themselves and, and challenge themselves? And I think the, uh, the the experience we have with the Wolves coaches is, you know, they, they get to, to they get the sense of what, it's, of what they would have to do, you know, within a within academy set up in a, in a professional environment um, and realize it's not too dissimilar to what we try and put them through. But, you know, obviously they, um, they go into it with a, a slightly different mindset because it's a different culture, a different voice um, and a different environment that they believe that they're involved in. So, you know, it's, I think, I think it's, it plays an important part um, in, in the well-rounded individuals that you try and create as a coach. Um, That's really good. That's really good to know. I'm uh, so <laughs> somewhat jealous of, uh, that you're able to offer your players such a, such an experience. But I also wanted to go back to because um, when um, when I'd initially tried to get you on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, you told me that you um, you were were doing your A license, and then when we spoke today, I, I was I was actually so surprised to tell me that you were. Retaking the your USSF A license, could you go into a bit of detail of 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 what why you decided to do that and what the benefits you've gained from it? Yeah, I mean it's um, as I said, it, it's been five was it six years, five years since I, I did the old A license. Um, originally, obviously, with the old A license, they they used to put you on continuing education credits where in a four-year period your your A license would expire if you didn't um, meet those credits but uh, the federation has has kind of changed obviously with its education structure for over the past few years so the continuing education kind of went out the window um, where you would go on trips or you know do refresher courses they they basically have kind of got rid of that whereas they re-established the the new course structure Um, so but after you know, I mean, after I went through the whole process of going through, you know, those six courses we spoke about earlier, um, you know, you get to a point where you want to then try and put that into play. But it, it's been such a long time since I had been on a course and, and kind of I was more learning internally within my experiences with our former director of coaching and with our other coaches and and, and kind of trying to put things into play and develop my own philosophy, my own methodologies, my own ideas within the club. Um, it, it just came to a point where I, w- I was ready just to, um, to, to to do something again, and especially with everything being reworked, you know, with the AU. Um, it's it's definitely a, um, a different, a, a much different course than what I did before. Um, there's a lot more emphasis on on leadership and planning in the, in the a youth than, than the old a license the old a license was definitely you know based around your your coaching more per se um but that was very much you know packed, you know compacted into you know a, a seven nine um, eight was it nine day period um where you do all you know you do your two practice um two practice things and then you do your final exam and you have to do the game analysis before you know, so this over what is a six-month period, although current, you know, health situation, you know, who knows when when we'll get a chance to do the third meeting. But you know, there's a lot more time to kind of breathe and to talk, and you know, there's a lot more group collaboration projects that you can do. Um, you know, which is you know developing styles of play and you know ideas about how you build a club up, and um, you get to, to meet and spend you know more quality time with. Uh, with the other candidates, which I think is the, the huge benefit, um, because instead of just seeing them for seven days and then that's kind of it, you you actually kind of get to nurture some relationships with with other coaches, which which I think is is invaluable um, to to everybody. Um, 
and then the content of the course, as I said, is is definitely veers for me anyway. It feels like it's veering more towards you know leadership skills, um, planning skills, how you periodize your training, um, how you make adjustments within that. Um, obviously, you still have to do you know coaching assignments within that, but there's there's a lot more to it, which I think is is very valuable for a for for a coach to to be aware of than just you know the the X's and O's of what they do when they go on the field. Well, well, that again, that's uh, another another good point that you make. It'd be be so easy um, for a coach to, in 2013, which really isn't doesn't for me doesn't seem that too too long ago to say, look, I've got the A license, I've made it, I'm done. But the fact that you've um, wanting to continue your education and really just thrive to be the best best you can be. I also like going back to um, talking about bringing in the Wolves Academy coaches, like exposing these kids to those to those coaches. It'd be so easy to just come around and say, "Look, you know, I'm I'm better than that. I don't need anyone else. I don't need anyone else's input." So, but um, being able to, you know, learn from those academy coaches and have the ability to bring them into your club. He's just, uh, just really, just really, really proves what kind of character you are and really what you've you've done for these kids. Lee, I really thank you for your time. This has been amazing. Thank you for your time, and good luck for the rest of the season for whenever we get started. Appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. As always, it was great to talk to Lee. It was a real pleasure for us to share his journey and the hard work and dedication he has put into coaching and his own personal growth. I really admire his decision to retake the A license a second time to remain up to date with the latest training methods and to further his knowledge of the game. I'm sure all the players and coaching staff Lee has worked with over the years are grateful for the time and dedication he has put into helping them improve. I also hope TSF realises how lucky they are to have a coach like Lee at their helm. Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc. or send an email paulkelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.